This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about baptism. We're going to do a deep dive uh, based on the three episodes that Steve did during the fruit snacks. So if you uh, didn't already listen to episodes 51, 53, and 55, highly suggest you go and listen to those. And uh, we'll just continue the conversation here, kind of do a little bit of a deeper uh, back and forth. Yeah. And before we, before we get into it today... I just want to take a moment and give a very quick shout out to those who apparently are listening internationally. We noticed that in our uh, metrics and data that we have, uh, apparently uh, we have some downloads coming from Indonesia, from Great Britain, and from Ireland, which is just awesome. We think that's amazing and really super cool. So if that's you, thank you. And uh, please tell your friends. <laughs> Great. Cool. So uh, really, I wanted to, I guess, give you uh, an opportunity real quick. If you want to, I guess, do a quick recap of the three episodes. I know uh, there's a little bit of a cross information on on the three, but I thought it'd be good to kind of just recap that real quick. And then um, I've got a few things I wanted to kind of chat about uh, to kind of expand on some of those. Yeah, sure. So... In the different episodes on baptism, part of what we discussed was what is the model for baptism that you actually see in scripture and not just in the early church, but in the life and times of Jesus and the disciples and and so on and so forth. What was the purpose of it? And from that, we can look at scripture and we can draw some, some pretty strong conclusions, I think, about how baptism is supposed to be conducted. The, the way or manner in which it's supposed to be done, the purpose and the order in which baptism occurs relative to uh, a person's uh, belief in, in Jesus and their salvation. And then in one of the other episodes, I think it was the, the middle episode, which would have been 53, we talked about basically all the, all the things that baptism is not and what it doesn't do, what it isn't for, and, and so on and so forth. But there are some, I would think, relatively common um, misconceptions or misunderstandings that are out there about baptism, whether it has to do with salvation or that it's part of the salvation event for a person, that baptism is a necessary part of that. In some denominations or faith traditions, that's the case. There's other just uh, sort of fringe beliefs about baptism with regard to what it does in sort of a spiritual sense and whether or not that's biblical. And that sort of ties into what we got into in the last episode of what exactly is baptism beyond just getting dunked. And the suggestion there was from, from scripture, when we look at the picture of what is baptism and what it symbolizes, 
that it is in a very real sense a way of conducting spiritual warfare because the forces of spiritual darkness are are real they're out there they are directly involved in the affairs of people and in exercising control even though it's illegitimate control uh, control nonetheless over the nations over the people who don't belong to god and when a person from said nation comes to jesus and they literally switch allegiances they belong to a different kingdom now part of what is being declared when they are being baptized is is actually not just outwardly for other humans to see and understand that this is a commitment of faith that's being publicly declared but that it's also being publicly declared to the forces of spiritual darkness and and in that way baptism is spiritual warfare because you're basically saying to those spiritual beings, I don't belong to you anymore. And I mean, in so many words, what are you going to do about it? Right. You're, you're drawing a line in the sand and you're, I mean, however you want to put it, you're putting a target on your back, but you're basically saying I'm with Jesus. I belong to his kingdom and his people. Now you don't own me. You can't tell me what to do. And I don't owe you anything anymore. And I mean, I'll, I'll be darned if they, if they would like to hear something like that, if they're, you know, but you're inviting at a certain level, spiritual warfare. And I think that's a big part of what baptism is. And I wish that more Christians understood or even took seriously the reality of the spiritual realm, because I don't know that we think about our everyday activities in those terms. We think about things even like baptism as, oh, I did that once and now it's over is no big deal. It's like, well, it's a very big deal if you understand what's going on from a from a spiritual realm perspective. And so, yes, it symbolizes Jesus's death, burial, resurrection. And it also symbolizes our identification with him in that. So in a sense, we are also uh, dead. We're dead to sin. We're dead to our old man that is buried. And now we are raised to new life in Christ that we follow in his footsteps. He's the firstborn of many brothers, the scripture says, we are those brothers and sisters. And so we become new uh, in life as we follow uh, Jesus in that and, and, and so on and so forth. So there's a lot there. I'm sure that you've got specific questions about that. But in, in terms of a, a recap, I think that's a, that's a, as much as my memory can, can, <laughs> uh, can grab at anyway, that's a fairly, fairly comprehensive summary. Yeah. No, that was actually really good. Cause you know, you, you actually already highlighted some of the things I wanted to talk about. So um, I think to get started, one of the first things I wanted to expand on a little bit was kind of the significance of baptism, which you kind of already started on um, for a believer. But I also want to talk about the context that, you know, those who witness and some of the significance for them to witness the the significant change that you, you go through through baptism. You mean as far as the maybe unbelieving friends or family mm-hmm. who are witnessing someone who they knew. And now this person has become a Christian and just seeing that whole process yeah. happen with them. Yeah. I mean, and baptism is again, it's, it's not part of salvation. It's not something that the, the, the scripture just teaches frankly at all. 
but you also do see it very closely associated with salvation and with mm-hmm. a conversion experience to the point that I, I, I really don't, and this might ruffle some feathers, but I just don't see any scriptural basis for requiring any amount of time or stuff for lack of a better term to happen after a person gets saved before they can be baptized. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the look at, look at acts eight and, and Philip in the, the Ethiopian eunuch. And as soon as it all clicks and he's like, Oh, this is about Jesus. Look, there's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And Philip's like, well, nothing. <laughs> so they baptize him right immediate. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no, there's no catechism that needs to happen. There's no demonstration that you understand the core tenets of the faith and <laughs> you've memorized the Apostles' Creed and all these other things, which again, I get the heart behind why maybe some ministries would would do that or go that direction. I just don't see a scriptural basis for it. And so right. all that to say, if someone is just converted and then they immediately are baptized, that's another big, and it's an outward symbol. It's an outward statement to their family, to their friends who are looking on to say, wow, I guess, I guess they really mean it. Cause like they're going, they're going all the way, right? right? Like they're not just, they didn't just say that this is what they believe now. Now they're going to church. Now they're hanging out with these different people. Now they're getting dunked and they're, they're, they're confessing a commitment to give their life to Jesus and to follow him for the rest of their lives. Like that's a big deal. And so I do think there's power mm-hmm. in a physical baptism, not in any sort of spiritual or sanctification sense, it doesn't make you holy or anything. It doesn't do anything for you spiritually speaking, right. but it can be a very powerful witnessing tool. Because if you think about it, the whole gospel message is actually visually uh, given in mm-hmm. a baptism. And a pastor worth his salt who's baptizing is going to be speaking out loud as he baptizes what this is representing and to someone who has never heard the gospel before there you go baptism encapsulates the heart of the gospel yeah that jesus died for our sins he was buried and he was raised by god uh, three days later and that because we believe in him and in that that if we believe in him that so will we Mm -hmm. that we even though we die will be raised to new life in him that he he's our salvation like that's that's the gospel right so yeah it can, can be can be super impactful let me ask you when you were either thinking about becoming a christian or right maybe as you were in that phase where you were had you ever seen anyone get baptized did you know anything about it or did you see a baptism before you became a christian or wasn't it until after that that you sort of got familiar with with that whole yeah. So my first uh, witness of a baptism was after I was saved. So my experience was, you know, I, I became saved in an office, you know, uh, mm-hmm. talking with actually my father-in-law and, you know, I knew I needed Jesus in my life and it was a, a very special moment, you know, something that I always have to remember. Um, and then it was only a few weeks after that, that I, you know, uh, was baptized at the church and, you know, for me, it was it's funny. Actually, I, I recently came across the video of my baptism oh, and sweet. got to show my kids, you That's know, sweet. and so uh, it was fun because I got to explain through the experience for me, you know, to be an adult, you know, at 19 years old, I say adult, <laughs> 19 year old child, legally, <laughs> legally an adult, 
but you know, I got to show them and explain to them, you know, how shortly before that, how I, I didn't, you know, have Christ in my life and how different my life was and that, you know, my life changed one day in an office and that this moment on here on video was purely uh, a demonstration of how I wanted others to know. It was basically my, my, uh, my outing to the public of, mm-hmm. Hey friends, Hey family, most of you yourselves aren't saved, but I want you to all see this change in my life that I'm experiencing. I want to share it with everybody. I just, you know, just like the Bible is demonstrating that death and burial. I want to bury my old life and be risen with Christ. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it was a fun experience to kind of walk through my kids with that. And so I thought it'd be uh, good to kind of just talk about that, you know, obviously as raising my children, you know, my job is to make sure that they understand the importance of this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they hopefully, you know, one day soon will themselves accept right. and truly experience what I experienced, you know, and it's got to be something that they understand the meaning and the impact behind it. And so, yeah. Great. Yeah. So the other thing I want to talk a little bit about, you know, when we're talking about this difference in, you know, dunking, uh, versus kind of the sprinkling method. Um, you know, I've yeah. heard, I've heard, you know, obviously there's a, some contention between the idea behind just sprinkling. And I know you've talked a little bit about the importance of the dunking aspect of it. Um, is there any more expansion you want to have maybe on the sprinkling side and maybe why there's so much contention there? You know, to be, to be honest, I never grew up in a faith tradition or denomination where sprinkling was practiced. I grew up Baptist. Mm. I mean, it's like right there, it's it's in the name. It says it right on the tin that that's, that's what we do. And so baptism by immersion is really the only method of baptism personally I've ever been exposed to. Although I know that there are lots of others out there who that's not the case. And I would, I would simply say this is, and I don't, I can't, honestly remember if I brought it up in the fruit snacks or not. So if I didn't, just in case I didn't, I want to say it here. And if I did, it's probably worth repeating anyway. And that is that I know that there's a lot of issues out there that Christians can intend with one another over. And there's a lot of different ways that different scriptures can be interpreted and that can lead not just healthy debates, but actually actual division and strife within the church. I don't want this to be one of those because frankly, I don't really care one way or the other, how you baptize. Now that said, I do think that I can make a pretty good case and lots of others have that baptism by immersion is the example in scripture that you see for how this is supposed to be done. This is how Jesus was baptized. It's how John baptized leading up to Jesus. This is how the apostles baptized. This is how just church tradition was for a a while until you start to see discussion about sprinkling or pouring water over the head or other things. But even in those discussions, pouring water over the head and so on and so forth, those were always concessions to limitations by the environment or by due to lack of resources or drought or whatever, or you just weren't in a location that had running water that was deep enough. The preferred method, if all things were being equal and you had your equal truth, the preferred method was always to be dunked. Mm -hmm. And, and like I said, I just, I look at, I look at scripture, I look at the new Testament and I just can't get there when it comes to these other 
methods. Mm-hmm. I know that there are those who who do and who have, and I would consider that stuff. That's an in-house debate. I, I have no quarrel with you whatsoever over that. If that's a conviction that you have, as long as you can honestly, before God, come to that conviction through scripture and that you're taking a reasoned scriptural approach to how you arrive at that conclusion it's an in-house debate anyway yeah so we have no reason to break fellowship or to uh to to disagree more than just to say help me understand how you get there and just Mm -hmm. to make it that kind of a level of friendly conversation if it's anything beyond that then we've entered into what would paul what paul would call you know striving together or just you know creating we're creating quarrels and now we're potentially we're, we're dividing the body over right. something that really just isn't worth it. So it's not an, a big issue to me. If I hear a Christian mention that they, you know, they go through now, the one thing I will say, and I, I did bring this up before is that when, when you look at the scriptural model of when a person is to be baptized and therefore who is supposed to be baptized, I absolutely would say that, I, that any kind of, any kind of baptism now it tends to be sprinkling Although these days it's a drive by with a squirt gun, but it tends to be, it tended to be sprinkling, but any sort of infant or child baptism as a, as a means of basically dedicating them or anything of that, anything like that, that's, that's by definition different than what you find in scripture. Yeah. That's not the kind of baptism that we're really talking about. And I think to call it baptism is kind of unfair because it's, it's very obviously not the same kind of thing. And so the baptism that we mean to discuss is the kind that happens on the heels of, or at any point following a conversion, a, mm-hmm. a conscious decision to repent and to follow Jesus Christ and to trust in him and only him as your means of salvation. And then baptism follows as a way of declaring that and of drawing your your spiritual line in the sand right infants children they're not capable of making that decision um and so whatever it is that that people think is happening there it's not that and so again do i have a problem with with sprinkling or or you know squirt gun or whatever if it's a way of dedicating the child and basically essentially saying what we do, like what we do at our church where we have child dedications every once in a while, where it's just a, it's really more for the parents than it is for the child to say we're committing as, as a family, as parents to, to follow after God and to commit to try and raise and teach our children about these things and to, to raise them in a godly home, to point them to Christ at every opportunity. And that's our commitment as parents if you want to sprinkle as a part of that dedication, knock yourself out. I don't really care. But but to call it baptism as if it has anything to do with either literally or even sort of some sort of promise or sealing of this child that that in any way would influence or guarantee their salvation in the future. Well, now we have problems, right? right? And so that would be maybe the one exception where I would just say, that's find me anywhere in scripture where that's how salvation works or whether where how you can basically do something to someone or for someone and at that point now we have to have a conversation about free will mm-hmm. and about whether 
<laughs> you can you can do that to people or for people and and sort of but it was a good thing well but you still have to have that conversation right and so that then things get real sideways um so i those are very different those are two very different thoughts and and sort of forks a fork in the road there but yeah. we went we went down both of them so no um, it was good because i think it, it, again you perfectly tied into another uh conversation which you know for me ties in with you know the perspective on on baptism and how that ties in with salvation i know you've already touched on it and and uh, they're both the recap as well as a dedicated episode but i want to talk about how different religious beliefs can look at baptism as a means to salvation um you kind of touched on it as well as you know obviously child dedications how there's no impact for uh, for guaranteeing their salvation things like that mm-hmm. um but i kind of want to expand on that as, as far as you know, from other religious beliefs, you know, what is the the contrast there? Again, how do we make sure when we're talking to people about baptism that they understand we're not talking about it as a means of salvation? Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull up a scripture here to, to illustrate one of the, one of the parts of your question here. Prefigured baptism, which now saves you, not the washing yeah. off the physical dirt. Yeah. Yeah. So first Peter three 21 is a favorite verse for folks who would, who would want to point to baptism as being a necessary part of salvation in some way, shape or form. And first Peter three 21 reads as follows in the ESV baptism, which corresponds to this now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So at face value, you'd read that and go, well, baptism now saves you, right? Now, the best interpreter of scripture is always scripture. And so if that were true, if baptism is a necessary part of salvation, then what we would want to do is either ask the question or start looking around scripture to go, can we think of, or can we find any example in scripture where someone was, was uh, said to either go to heaven or had gone to heaven and they hadn't been baptized. And this is in the new Testament economy, right? Mm -hmm. Because in the old Testament, of course. Um, But so actually, let me, Maybe not, of course. I mean, let's think about the fact that you have Abraham's bosom. Abraham is in heaven or the Hebrew conception of it, at least pre-Jesus. And so Abraham is considered to be not in, not in Sheol, not in the place of the dead. He's in a, he's in a altogether different place. And the faithful and righteous Jews are there as well. When Jesus is transfigured, he sees Elijah and he sees Moses and the implication there is that again they're not they're not trapped in the realm of the dead away from god and cut off and they're in a good place and mm-hmm. jesus is there and he's he sees them he knows them he's he's fellowshipping with them so none of these folks in the old testament would have undergone any sort of thing anything like what modern day christians or even the new testament would think about as baptism mm-hmm. certainly not with any respect to death burial and resurrection and all and so on and so forth with Jesus. Now, in the New Testament, 
the the very the, the prime example that we should be looking to 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 help balance something like first peter 3 is the thief on the cross yep because jesus looks at him and says today you will be with me in paradise now i mean we we there have been but we can, we can parse that all sorts of ways where paradise means someplace but not heaven it's like again i don't know where you how you get there because you you, you have to introduce ideas like that into the text. The plain mm-hmm. reading is wherever Jesus was, he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and Jesus, Jesus promises that to him. And there was no time yep. for, nor was there a baptism. This guy died a, a, f- a few hours or less later. And Jesus says, I'll see you later, yep. you know? And so whatever first Peter three twenty one means, which again, I think that part of the answer is right there in the end of the verse that that whatever it's doing it's it's something that happens through the resurrection of jesus christ so the 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 mechanism uh here is resurrection and again this this may have to do and this is a whole other topic but here just i'm just plant the thought that this may have to do more with the concept of how resurrection uh corresponds like ultimate resurrection corresponds to eternal life than a, a physical dunking right here because he even says it's this is not about the removal of dirt from the body mm-hmm. so that's not what we're talking about here so right there if we're going to say this verse clearly says that this baptism whatever we're talking about which now saves you is not about the removal of dirt from the body then why would we turn around and point to Therefore, see baptism, the physical act where you get dunked that removes dirt from your body. That's what now saves you. Right. Peter specifically says in the verse, that's not the baptism I'm talking about. Right. The NET translation says, but the pledge of a good conscience to God. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I just think in this verse, if we just spend a little bit more time with it, we can start to see cracks in the the armor so to speak about that was this really what it's talking about even in the verse itself you have clues that it's not and then we have clear examples in scripture that would balance this out to say you, you know i forget who said it, it might have been greg kokel but just that that the 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 rule is never read a bible verse <laughs> yeah and the idea is like you know you never ever want to read just one verse because just one verse can be taken out of context you can you can misunderstand or misrepresent what it's actually teaching and so in this case i think it's a perfect example is never read a bible verse you need to read at least a couple the couple before and the couple after but also other verses that would help balance it out so you were asking about how other other religions see baptism as having to do with salvation and so were you meaning other like christian denominations or were you actually meaning like is there any concept of baptism or significance for something like baptism in like other religions like eastern religions like other monotheistic religions anything like that so which which one were you kind of having in mind there well i was kind of leaning into uh both the lds and catholicism oh okay got it okay so yeah, it's a, so the answer is both, right? Uh, <laughs> Christian denomination with Catholicism, and then a different different worldview with with uh, yep. Mormonism. Got it. Well, let's tackle Mormonism first. So, completely different understanding of 
of well basically everything when you look at mormon theology and yeah, that's that probably merits a completely deeper dive as well at some point oh yeah we'll we'll totally tackle mormonism as a topic at one point and just we'll talk through it and what i prefer to do there would be to go about it the same way that i taught it to my youth group which is to just hop on the mormon website and look at what look at their official statements their official articles their own scriptures and just get a sense of what are they what are they teaching and how are they answering these questions like directly from the official source so that we're not putting words in their mouth and saying, oh, you believe this. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you believe this. You're saying you believe this, right? So quickly, the Mormon concept of baptism, specifically this whole idea of baptism for the dead, mm-hmm. is that, and that is a concept, again, that's pulled from a statement by Paul in, I think it's First Corinthians. It's one of the Corinthian letters. I think it's First Corinthians, where... He's talking about it. And if you read Paul in context there, there's actually even a question as to whether or not Paul is even recommending this as a practice or if Paul is simply uh, recognizing that in the Corinthian church and in the city of Corinth that this is a thing that is happening. Uh, And so that's, that's one thing, which again, if we ever do a book study on 1 Corinthians, which would be fun. We could get into stuff like that. There's a bunch of weird cultural stuff in First Corinthians that are just, it's just fascinating. So anyway, from that phrase, you get this phrase, the baptism for the dead. And Mormon theology takes that to mean that, so there's there's multiple levels of, of heaven and that only, only uh, temple Mormons, Mormons who've been uh, baptized, not only baptized, but also who've been inducted into the temple who have their their temple um card basically are going to be in the highest level or tier of heaven and so one of the ways that because salvation is dependent on several several works including baptism in the mormon church and things like that mormons believe that you will be given an opportunity for salvation, not only on this side of your death, but on the other side of your death as well. That there is at some point in some way a preaching to the dead to give them one more chance to convert to Mormonism. The problem is you can't baptize dead people, which is one of the prerequisites for Mormon salvation. So even if on the other side of the the afterlife, someone decided hypothetically that they wanted to convert to Mormonism, it's a no-go because they can't be baptized. And that is where this whole idea of baptism for the dead comes, which is where Mormons will spend hours or even days where they just, they are one person standing in lieu of, or as a representative of these other people. And so you'll have a person who's standing in the the place of baptism and a name is read off and they, the, they go through the ritual of baptism, except it's not the person it, it's they're there. And uh, the name is read. This person is now being baptized as if they were that person. And from the Mormon perspective, when that person is done being baptized, this other person, this name that they read, this dead person is actually literally really baptized into the Mormon faith. So that if at some point down the line in the afterlife, they do decide to convert and to accept the Mormon teaching, they've already been pre 
covered <laughs> by baptism. And, and the Mormon church has baptized thousands of people, both dead and also other people who, I, to, from my understanding, aren't even Mormon. Anyway, so switching gears to Catholicism, and this is where I would maybe, and again, it depends on the Catholic, right? Or even the, the, the parish that we may or may not have an issue here, right? It, right? If we go back to what we're talking about with, with children and baptizing children and all this stuff, it depends on what, what the parents and the priest interpret that to mean mm-hmm. when it happens. If all they're doing is dedicating a child who, yeah, go for it, go yep. for it. Like I, not a big deal. Um, I mean, there's things like anointing with oil and other things that I think some people would look at and go, that's real weird. And other people are like, but it's not, we're not assigning any salvific value to it. It's just a, it's a thing that we're doing because it's part of the culture mm-hmm. that we find Tradition. in scripture and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Where it's like, like, as long as you are treating it as something that you're doing as a means of helping you be more intentional about your faith or to take more seriously a commitment that you're making or whatever. Fine, fine, go for it. Um, But if you are looking at it again on the Catholic side, if you're looking at a baptism of an infant as anything to do with them somehow being guaranteed to become a believer, not only can you not get, I can't get there with scripture, but also, I mean, just practically speaking, how on earth would you be able to make such a guarantee? Right. I mean, just, just practically speaking, I just don't see how you'd get there. So there's lots of problems to be had as far as that goes, but Mm -hmm. um, yeah, uh, up until that point, it's a, it's, it is what it is. I mean, some pastors wear robes and the, all the pomp and circumstance and there you've got the stained glass windows and you've got the huge cathedrals and there's a lot of, you know, there's that high church versus low church and all those different things. And again, some would take that very seriously and say, this is the only way it can be done. And then say, I think we're in an in-house debate here. Mm-hmm. I understand you can make a case and you feel really strongly and I'm glad that you do. However, if we're not, if we're not going to disfellowship people over something like that, then really it shouldn't be, it should be personal preference. Yeah. It should be just whatever, whatever you want to do. Yeah. Well, that's great. I think the last thing I want to end on is this obviously the salvation aspect, but when people are talking about not taking baptism literally or that the baptism of the Holy spirit is the only baptism we should experience. Oh yeah. Our friend on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. So, so in a way I I want to affirm that. Yeah. I mean the, the spiritual baptism that is the quote unquote real baptism, right? If we're looking at a spiritual reality of, does does this physical act does it does it somehow transform me spiritually am i a different person in some way when i come up from the water than when i actually went down into it and i don't think so i don't think that there's anything different or qualitatively uh, that's changed in the act of physical baptism the baptism of the spirit which scripture says happens basically at the moment of 
salvation and regeneration is when something qualitatively different happens to us. And mm-hmm. so it is the spiritual baptism, which is, as I said, the quote unquote real one, mm-hmm. which occurs at the moment of salvation and is when you and I become dead to our sin and become a new creature, right? That that's, um, but that's a, that's a spiritual act that God does within us, within our heart, within our, within our person and our spirit. And that is, so they're both baptism is being used there as the term, but there it's a very different, it's, it's a very different thing than the kind of baptism that we're talking about when we talk about physically dunking someone, not only does the physical act of dunking happen after Mm -hmm. always chronologically, you know, the, the baptism of the spirit, but it also is in a way, I think it's a good thing. I think it's a, it's a right thing if we want to be uh, following the model of scripture, but is it a necessary thing? I I would say, no, it's optional. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's plenty of, again, look at the thief on the cross. There's plenty of people who are going to heaven who've never been baptized physically, but they all have been baptized in the, in the spirit. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, we could, we be splitting hairs a little bit, maybe, uh, but I, I would just say that despite the fact that you could look at it and say, oh, physical baptism, it's vestigial. It, It doesn't matter. Therefore, we either don't need it or we shouldn't do it anymore. I think that's the moment where you sort of get into sticky territory because I would agree with you that it's not necessary in terms of sanctification. It's not necessary, certainly in terms of salvation, but there's also an aspect to it where you look, you just look at scripture and you go, and yet, and yet every opportunity that people had in the new Testament to do it, they did it. So even though they knew it wasn't necessary for salvation, even though they knew it had nothing to do with making you more sanctified, they still did it. And this is just goes to this goes to G.K. Chesterton's quote about, you know, fences of <laughs> if you don't understand why something was why a fence was put up in the first place, I won't let you move it. Right. Until you can come up and you can tell me exactly why that fence was put up, then then I think you'll understand it well enough to move it. But right now, if you're looking at it going, I don't see the point of this. Let's just get rid of it. That would seem to suggest you don't understand it well enough yet to make a decision like that. And I feel like there's an aspect of physical baptism there as well is if you look at physical baptism and you're like, that makes no sense. Let's just throw it out. Despite the fact that, like I said, every opportunity that the early church had to do it, they did it, Mm -hmm. then maybe you don't understand it well enough yet. Maybe there's a difference between not seeing the the purpose and it not having one, I I think. And so with physical baptism, again, I think there's a whole spiritual warfare aspect to it that gets overlooked. And so in that way, is it necessary? Certainly not. But man, it certainly is doing something, something very real and tangible in a spiritual sense, just not in the way that we think that it's, that it is right. It's not really doing it for us. It's making a declaration to the spiritual realm, putting them on notice and say, Hey, yeah, I, I've, I've switched teams and I don't work for you anymore. And that is a big deal all in and of itself. And I think that is a good and and a good thing to do. And if for no other reason than just that, 
And so I think it does serve a purpose. I don't think it is unnecessary or unneeded. I just, I just think that it does something different than what we think it does. And so if we think about it rightly, then maybe, maybe we won't wonder why we still do it. Mm -hmm. You know? Great. Well, that about wraps up our deep dive discussion on baptism. Thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any topics, uh, maybe some existing fruit snacks that you'd like us to do a deep dive on, feel free to uh, drop us a line. Thanks, everyone. And we'll catch you back on the next episode. Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast, a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's rooted.productions. We hope you'll join us next time.